On this episode of Water Flying, we are discussing underwater egress training for seaplanes. You are listening to Water Flying, a show dedicated to all things seaplanes. Brought to you by the Seaplane Pilots Association. My name is Steve McCoy. I'm the executive director of the Seaplane Pilots Association, which is the world's largest nonprofit advocacy organization dedicated to the protection and promotion of the water flying community. Climb aboard! We're about to start today's episode. Well, welcome back to another episode of Water Flying. I am so excited because. We are at the Fire Medical and Training Center in Houma, Louisiana, where we just took the board of directors of the Seaplane Pilots Association through a course I've been through many times that we've partnered with the Seaplane Safety Institute up in Bell Chase at Southern Seaplanes with for our members. And I have got Caleb Vernon to join me today uh, to talk about underwater egress training and what you can expect and why it's so important. So, Caleb, thank you for uh, joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm, it's a pleasure to be here. Well, you know, it's kind of nice. I always like being on location, and it's even better when we have a class of fresh meat about to go through the process out uh, in the pool. Yep, they'll be getting sorted in about 10 minutes. <laughs> if they only knew what faces them. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. So uh, I've been uh, talking to Caleb here for quite a while. And again, we just brought the board of directors through uh, their underwater egress training, the A. The AUT <laughs> training, uh, which has been adopted from the helicopter underwater uh, egress training that uh, is provided for people here in the oil fields in the Gulf of Mexico and, uh, and around the world, as many as many other, I guess, energy sector people. Yeah, that's right. The, uh, the Hewitt is the helicopter underwater escape training and your AUT is just for your aircrafts. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And so we adopted a, a Seaplane Safety Institute worked with uh, FMTC to develop a seaplane-specific way of doing this training here at the facility. And uh, it's been great. I've been here many times uh, over the past 10 years, and I try to get uh, not only here every year for myself, uh, but I try to bring classes of our our pilots uh, uh, through as well, which we've done quite regularly. So, um, Caleb, tell me a little bit about your background and how you ended up here, uh, because it is pretty interesting. You've been in the industry uh, as far as the energy sector and the emergency training and uh, for quite a while. I mean, yeah. So, uh, shoot, I was still in high school uh, and, and ended up getting a job with a, uh, a an oil and gas company, of course, and uh, started off there just drilling holes and panels and sweeping the floors. And as time grew on, uh, graduated high school, started running crews offshore in the Gulf of Mexico at 19, uh, and then continued that, that venture until about 2014 uh, when I actually left the oil and gas industry as a, a you know a hand in, in, in the electrical and pneumatic side of it where I'd grown really fond of safety. Uh, and I actually started with on-site training and instruction in 2014 and then continued here until uh, 2018 where I left for a small time frame to be the HS&E manager of a maritime company here in the area. Uh, but then came back in 2019 because this is, 
you know, the safety industry for me and the, the training side of it is just fascinating. I love every part of it. And uh, I've been a part of FMTC since then. And uh, we've, we've done some really great things and, you know, really had the ability to help a lot of people in what we do. And, and I enjoy it. I love it. Yeah, I mean, literally, you're saving lives uh, with what you do here and uh, preparing people. So uh, I think there's a little backstory. I think we need to learn a little bit about what the mission is of FMTC. But uh, it's also important to realize that all of the oil, to go out in the oil field industry, uh, out into the Gulf or any of the oil platforms, and now the wind generator platforms, uh, they actually require you to come through these courses. That's right. Yeah. So... You know, there are international organizations that are going to put a standard, rather, on uh, different parts of the industry. So you're dealing with the Opedo industry. Of course, they're working with the oil and gas guys. Uh, if you get into the renewable sector, there's GWO, and we can teach those courses at FMTC. And, and it's really kind of given us another insight as to how to work this course with Southern Seaplane and how to... Uh, really motivate and, and manipulate the, the Triton simulator that we use here to put that twist on what happens with a seaplane in the event that some, you know catastrophic failure is going to happen. Yeah, so FMTC is an international global company specializing in this kind of safety training. Talk a little bit about, you know, again, so people can get the uh, a sense of the breadth of the resources of this organization and how deep their training culture is. Uh, talk us a little bit about the mission of FMTC and, and how we came to adapt it. All right. Yeah, so FMTC uh, was actually established in, in the Netherlands uh, in 2014. And through there, we became the market leader of safety within about two years and grown to about four other locations there. Uh, we've actually opened up facilities in Dunkirk, France, Rastanon, Saudi Arabia. Uh, we created a partnership in Egypt, and then, of course, we now created a collaboration with on-site training and instruction in about 2018 in Houma, Louisiana. And then uh, on October 14th of 2020, uh, FMTC actually acquired on-site training. And so we've, we've gained that you know, knowledge from Miss Winona McElroy, who started on-site training back in 1989. And, you know, she, she had a, a mere agenda just to, to – present the industry with the knowledge that she had and just she's really excelled through what she did so we got a lot of that knowledge a lot of that experience uh and just bringing it all back together here and, and being able to to also work with southern seaplane as well and just putting this this course together uh and, and it's like you say something that's not always done and probably not done enough but yeah we're yeah. making a difference on it and tr- really putting something together yeah, so uh, what was on-site, which now was, uh, again, acquired and merged with FMTC, uh, this facility has been here for 34 years That's right. uh, doing training. And uh, so there's a, a, a whole lot of knowledge that's gained in that time and also the stability of the company being here and providing that training over and over and over again. And then I, I think it's been probably at least 10 years that I've been coming here. And uh, again, um, it's it's quite a mission. So these guys, so FMTC, uh, Fire Medical Training Center, uh, not only are they working. So anytime you get on a helicopter to go out to an oil platform, you have to be certified in this kind of training. Even as a platform worker, if you're a cook, uh, no matter what your position, if you're a computer programmer or an IT guy, no matter what you do on an oil f- platform, you have to go through this training because you have to fly a helicopter out to the platform. 
That's right. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you're a, a, a cook or a galley hand or you know pneumatic hand or an electrician, a welder. If you're going to take a helicopter off to a platform in the United States and a uh, you know in, in uh, Saudi Arabia, if you're going to Europe, if you're going to an off-field platform, you have to take uh, a, a variation of the Hewitt training. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's now expanded with the advent and the growth of the wind generation industry because a lot of the wind generation industry is going to offshore power generation. And all of those need to be maintained. They need to be constructed. Uh, There's a lot of crews going out to these wind generator, these wind fields uh, that are out in the ocean. And they also, because they're flying helicopters, usually to get them closer to the location, uh, have to go through the training. Yeah, it's it's it's, uh, it's absolutely possible. In, in the, the renewable sector, you'll be flying in a helicopter. In the oil and gas industry, um, you know, there's a possibility that you're going to get in a helicopter, and the training has to get done. And these companies, to their credit, uh, will not let their employees go out there unless they've been trained and qualified to, quite honestly, uh, reduce casualties. That's right, yeah. You know, the, the thing about it is this is a course – uh, depending upon the industry of, of where you're going to be working, there is, of course, an expiration date on certificates. Uh, and it's something that, that's looked at. Some are four years, some are two years, some are a little bit longer than that. Uh, but it's something that, that's definitely looked at, and, and it is absolutely a requirement. And, and it's ultimately to help save your life. I mean, we've actually had instances where uh, a, a learner, we'll call it, comes through a course with us. And, and in that course, you know, they pick up and they excel whether they were completely petrified or going through the training at first. And we make them comfortable. We help them out throughout the process. And we've on occasion had learners come back and say, you know, I need to talk to, you know, these three instructors or these people. Are they around? Can I talk to them? And, and when we can produce them to this learner, he says, I just want to tell you that I really appreciate everything that you did for me during training because we just had a, a helicopter emergency ditching. Uh, and throughout the whole entire process of that ditching, uh, and he says, I just thought about everything that you told me. Uh-huh. So search for different parts, locate, brace for impact. And he said it was so similar to that training scenario that when I actually came back to the surface of the water, I was waiting for you to tell me, good job, let's do it again. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's an amazing feeling, and it's something that, again, that's our part to the industry, just helping people out and getting you back to, to the house, you know, the same way that you left. Yeah. Bring you home at night. That's right. To your loved ones. That's I mean, right. or at the end of your, uh, 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 stint on the rig or wherever you're going. So, you know, one of the things that, uh, you do here, so just to kind of paint the picture, we'll, we'll walk through some of the different components. Uh, obviously I'm a huge proponent of people wearing personal flotation devices, that are manual deploy, manually assist deploy right. uh, PFDs. And uh, the Seaplane Pilots Association sells and encourages all seaplane pilots to wear PFDs. But the course here, actually, you start out in the classroom and then you go through these different components. So it's not just a dunk tank course or a simulation course of, of the, the incident and, and being submerged in the water. There's a lot more training, uh, how to swim in the water correctly, how to, to uh, manage uh, your energy and, uh, so you don't become fatigued uh, when you're stuck in the water over a period of time, how to survive, how to use your other crew members uh, to help that survival. So there's a lot of components that go into this course, not just 
the dunk tank or, or the, you know, the summer, uh, immersion uh, part of it uh, and the uh, egress uh, part of it. Right. Absolutely. You know, the, the best way to learn is you, you can sit in the classroom with us and, and there's not just a slew of videos that we're going through. We're actually putting a lot of knowledge in you. We're showing you pictures. We will show some videos, but we have a lot of a lot of uh, a theory that's going into the, 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 you know, the preliminary side of that training. And then once we can get past that, now you got to you get to actually experience it. Yeah, right? you get to get in the in the Trident simulator, um, and then the the AU of course specifically will rotate the seats for you, and you get to experience it because what happens in a Hewitt course, you know that guy that's going to be flying in a helicopter, he's going to have that sideward capsize that's going to happen, and and, it, and it's a, and a complete different feeling as in a seaplane when you're going to be front facing. You know, that water's going to affect you differently. You know, the water's going to get into your sinus cavities. It's going to really get in there and, and, and really influence your next motivational piece, right? What are you going to do next? Uh, and it's an uh, exhilarating feeling, really. I mean, yeah. it's something that people don't normally experience. And if you do, oftentimes it might be the worst case scenario, right? Oh. So we get to prepare you now for that. And uh, it's really an eye opening experience. Uh, but while that course is going on, we have our instructors are in the water, of course, and he's monitoring everything that's going on. We've got divers in the water that are, that are trained as uh, safety divers. divers safe yeah, yep, yep. absolutely. And then we have our poolside safety, and we have our uh, crane operator who's going to be activating all of the capabilities of the Trident simulator capsizing. And, you know, we're all on the ready with that part, but... Uh, definitely a good course. Absolutely. And that is something. So uh, I want to get on to the uh, PFD discussion, but uh, mentioning the way, you know, all the safety that's in place here, the, it is such a professional operation from all the checks that go uh, verifying safety diver in place. Uh, crane operator uh, is communicating with the instructor in the simulator itself. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's, there's so many safety aspects uh, going on to it. It's not a simple training exercise. I mean, your staff is, is following pretty rigid training uh, protocols to ensure the safety because this is something that could be dangerous. Just the training itself could be dangerous. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so let's talk about PFDs. Yep. Should a pilot wear a personal flotation device? I would absolutely <laughs> agree. That That is, you know, we use specifically the Switlick aviation vest. Um, but, you know, when it when it comes down to, to this equipment, I mean, you have to be prepared. You have to be, you know, understanding what you're putting yourself into this, this, this event and this, you know, anything could happen. Yeah. Right. If a seaplane goes down, what's your next move? Yeah. Right. I, I mean, it, you know, what's going to happen to that seaplane? What's going to happen to you? And worst case scenario, you're out in, in some type of body of water and you have no flotation device. It's a very tricky situation now. So if you don't have the flotation device on, this is one of my big things that I try to ingrain in people. And, I'll, you know, we'll see your opinion. In my opinion... If, and what I teach people in my safety seminars, if you do not have the personal flotation device on and ready to use, you might as well not have it. That's right. That's right. And, you know, that's you have to prepare for worst case scenario, even in the best cases of, of, of what you're dealing with. You, know? you are not going to reach in your seat back and don this device and get restrapped in an emergency 
or uh, if you're in the emergency and now you have to get out and egress out of the airplane, uh, you need to have that device on ready to use. Absolutely. I mean, you don't you don't get in your car in the morning and drive to your plane and think, well, you get you're about to get in a car crash and go, oh, let me put my seatbelt yeah, on. Exactly. Right? Oh, I love that analogy. <laughs> so you don't get in the car crash and then put your seatbelt yeah, on. That's not how it works. You know, yeah. you, you have to prepare and you have to take care of yourself. I mean, in a situation like that, you know, it's it, it's so easy to put it on and just be ready. Yeah. And and I think one of the tragedies, and again, I speak on this very often, and, and we do a lot of PFD uh, inflation demos for people, and now we are working to, to throw people in the water. But you guys, one of the, that's part of the course here, is people actually get to do an inflation on a personal flotation device. And again, I think it's kind of ironic that we sell personal flotation devices, no matter where you buy it from. It comes with the cylinders that are loaded in it. It does not come with spares. And so you're wearing a safety device that you've never used and operated and, and don't know what to expect to, uh, what the result's going to be when you do need it. And I think that just that's just counterintuitive to everything we teach in safety is don't learn how to build a fire when you need a fire. Build, learn how to build a fire and use the safety equipment that you're going to use to do it if you're going to need a personal flotation device, then know how, be familiar with it. You, you, you never use something in an emergency that you're not familiar with inside and out. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree completely. You know, that that's something that's really unique in this course that we have to, uh, is the fact that you, you get to go through that experience in a safe environment. You get to utilize that equipment, test it out. Worst, worst place for you to realize how this equipment's going to work is in a real situation, right? I mean, you know, you have to even understand even the, the deploying of pulling those prayer beads on that CO2 cartridge and allowing that uh, inflation bladder to, to inflate and just feeling the pressures around your neck, just feeling what it feels like to float. I mean, it's not an average PFD that you might have wore as a kid going to do water sports. It feels a little different. Yeah. Right? And it's something that is need to be able to experience now pre, you know, forehand, as, you know, pr- before something might actually happen. Hopefully it doesn't, but you know, we got to practice. We got to prepare for it. Yeah. And again, people have heard this from me a hundred times. Do not have constant flotation when you get in an aircraft of any kind. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's the worst case scenario. I mean, that, that's something that we push across as well. I mean, even if you are, you have an, an auto inflation or if you have just a manual inflation vest, you got to be concerned about becoming entrapped inside that aircraft. I mean, if, if you're pinched up or you've gotten entangled in something near that seat or near your, your controls, that's something that's going to impact your capability of getting out. You know? yeah. And then granted, you have your, your breathing systems, of course, that you can integrate in this process, but you still only have so much time. So having that manual inflation capable, evacuating that seaplane you know, in a proper way. Get out way, and clear get before out and clear. you even think of deploying. Absolutely. If you cannot use a boating-style auto inflation, uh, you cannot use a constant uh, buoyancy unit because you will go down with the airplane. Uh, you're going right. to go to the to the floor, which is now the ceiling, yep. and uh, you're not getting out. That's, um, right. That's right. So let's talk about that. We just touched. Uh, you mentioned uh, having breathing devices. Another thing that I've been a huge proponent of and teach and and actually use. I don't fly without a heed bottle uh, because, and I think there's dramatic differences between probably the majority of the training that you do for the helicopter world and our seaplane world in. The kind of the kind of event, a, a helicopter event in most cases is going to 
be different than a seaplane event when it comes to needing to egress. Uh, the causal factors and the way the aircraft uh, uh, behaves, I guess, or reacts in the water. Um, let's talk about that a little bit and, and why a heat bottle or breathing device might be more advantageous to seaplane pilots or more important than, than uh, in the helicopter scenario. Yeah. So as time's going on, I mean, we started doing a, a water survival style course that had no uh, standard body onto it. So it was just something that we, we put together and there was no breathing systems back then, right? It used to be a PVC prop that, that <laughs> we would just push off the side of the pool. And now with having these other accreditations that we have hold at FMTC, um, you know, these standards have required you to go to such great lengths, which is why we have that Triton simulator which is why we've gone on to use what's called the LV2s, which is our version of the heat system, that breathing system. And you've got to see just that transition period of guys going through the scenarios and not having that extra breathing system. And then to, to being able to see them breathing underwater using that breathing system, just a comfort level, right? Just a comfort level even in training goes to a whole new extent, goes to a whole new level. Uh, but what it does, I mean, it gives you a good – you know, 60 seconds of a little bit more breathing time here. What do I need to do? Now I'm underwater. I may have lost that last breath because of that impact force. You know, I may have thought to myself, well, I'm going to take this breath in and I'm going to hold it and this is going to be all I need. But that impact lets that breath go, right? Yeah. So now what am I going to do? I'm going to have this capability with that, that LV2 like here in this situation uh, or in the heat system that you may be using. Uh, but I can take that extra breath, and now I'm calm again, right? Now yep. I have that, that bit of calm, that, that bit of leisure that comes back over and says, now I have, to, I have to jettison an exit, right? I have to lift a handle or pull a valve or pull a stem, which allows me to jettison an exit and comfortably get out of this helicopter. Uh, and it just, again, it's just that comfort level that's achieved whenever you're using a breathing system in a, in a catastrophic emergency, yeah, so just so everyone understands, a HEED system, they might not have heard the acronym, is Helicopter Emergency uh, Egress Device, and it is a essentially a, a self-contained scuba bottle and regulator, first and stage regulator, and it fits on the Switlik system. Uh, uh, you can actually attach it to your personal flotation device, and it gives you about 30 breaths of air. Um, and so if you're upside down underwater, uh, if you can breathe, you can slow down to figure out how to get your belt off. If you need to, you know, worst case scenario, cut it off with your seatbelt cutter, which you also should have. Right. Uh, you can take time to get the door open, break the window out, whatever you need to do. And so having 30 breaths of air on your side uh, makes a tremendous difference. And for seaplanes, what is different than most most of the helicopter incidents a helicopter generally is going to come down and auto rotate mm -hmm. into the water. It's going to be kind of a slow speed event. Right. Uh, it's auto rotating with an impact in the water. Generally, the rotors will partially separate and disintegrate on impact, and then it'll do a slow rollover uh, laterally uh, around the barrel of the fuselage. With a seaplane, generally, what we're faced with is it's more uh, more often than not it's going to be a gear down water landing and the seaplane is going to violently roll around the nose gear and so the difference being is the speed of the event and where a helicopter you may have a chance to take a deep breath of air as you slowly roll over 
in a seaplane, generally you're not going to have a, a chance to take that breath of air. But even if you do, there's a good chance it's going to be knocked out of you on the impact and the violence of the impact. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, we do, the Seaplane Pilots Association does work with heat. We do have the bottles available. And again, I highly recommend them. Uh, another thing that I think is misunderstood, I hear a lot of people say, well, I went through this kind of training uh, before. Um, I'm good. And I encourage people to do this on a more frequent basis. Personally, I like to come through your uh, class uh, and, and the training once a year, just like pilot training, because I believe that the more you do this, the better you get at it, the better you're equipped. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. You, you know, the, the, the thing about the course, it, the courses that we offer, they all have variable uh, expiration dates on them, right? Some of them are four years, some of them are two years, but... You know, it's a course like this that really makes you rethink stuff like that because, you know, if you do it, say you've done it, and then five years from now, it's ah, oh, well, maybe I'll take it again, you know, or four years. What happens in four years, right? Yeah. I mean, now you, you went from a, a single man to a married man, and you go to the gym a little bit less, and, you know, then you have your first kid, and you go to the gym a little bit less than that, and, you know, second kid, third kid, whatever may have you, or whatever the hurdles may be that – that prevents you to be as active as you were at one point, uh, you know, life changes. Now you try to take that little hike you did and it takes you 20 minutes longer than it did last time. <laughs> so for the guys that we have that wait those, those extended periods to take these courses again, they get nervous, right? Yeah. Even guys that are smoking and, and their life just kind of just bad habits you've picked up. Uh, it, it, it puts a strain on your body and you get so worked up and 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 once you get it you know you you have that sense of leisure but now you're looking at the next four years how am I going to look in the next four years whereas once you do something like this and and for me I truly I'm a firm believer this is something that should be done once a year uh because you're going to build up just that that muscle memory right yep that's why you get into the muscle memory of it and you just what do I need to do? How am I going to do it? And it just comes, it's, it's effortless. It's really effortless. Hey, you have to, you know, what people have to realize, I mean, your life in this scenario is dependent on you doing this action correctly in a very short period of time. And there's a good chance you're going to be injured while you're doing it as well. You could have a broken bone, you could have lacerations. I mean, we're doing it in kind of a, a perfect scenario here. Um, and that's why it's important to be hyper familiar with the process. The more you go through it, the more accustomed you are, the more you know what to expect. So when you need to do it, when you're not expecting it, you can perform it. Even if you do have other, the water's going to be cloudy. It's going to be colder. You know, it's, you're going to have potential injuries. Uh, they're going to be, you're going to be in shock just from the event itself. So the more you do this, the more prepared you're going to be for the day that your life literally depends on it. Absolutely. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, let's get into the meat of the, the, the uh, uh, Trident itself, because this is just not a lawn chair uh, being turned upside down in a pool. This is a very uh, robust and impressive uh, simulator that simulates an aircraft cockpit. It has seat belts, uh, seats, uh, windows that break out, doors that latch. Let's talk a little bit about the the Trident system. Yeah, so the Trident system we have is, uh, I mean, it's an amazing piece of equipment. It, it allows you to seat in uh, with a four-passenger aircraft. You have your pilot chair in the front. 
And then our normal Hewitt courses, they're all, again, front-facing. But we can manipulate the seats where we're turning them now and they're capable of having that forward roll. Uh, but it has the, the very same size. When this thing is created, there are measurements that are taken that give you the dimensions of these windows, and they're precise. Uh, the actions of the doors can be manipulated as well. Uh, but we can put windows in place. We could put doors in place, and it really gives you a good feel as to what would happen again in a controlled environment, but how would it react in a, a real scenario? Uh-huh. You know? And the seats uh, in themselves as well. So in those Hewitt courses, we'll have a four-port uh, uh, yoke system that's going to happen. So that's what your seatbelt's going to be. Yeah. Uh, but for a seaplane, may or may not be the case. But we can we can change that, right? We have yeah. still lab belts. We still have three port systems. We have the four port belts. Uh, so it just really depends, and that's a really neat thing. With our, we can customize the system for whatever equipment you're using absolutely. and your aircraft. Yeah, and that's one of the things we work with Seaplane Safety Institute. If we can bring a class of 185 uh, owners and operators through, we can bring a class of 206 operators, and again, so we can. Uh, adapt the training to the type of equipment that they're using. Absolutely. And uh, so let's talk a little bit. I mean, again, with this, with the Trident simulator, it actually gets raised above the pool and and we're in an indoor building. Mm -hmm. uh, So that's nice, uh, especially on a cold morning like this morning. It surprised (laughs) me this morning when I walked out and boy, am I glad that, that the pool is in the inside a building, not, not outside, Uh, but it's inside and it literally gets lifted up over the pool with you in it. And then you do a simulated uh, event where it's coming in impact with the water. And then you have the rollover event. And of course, you depending on the advanced nature of the class uh, and the progression, you can speed that rollover up as a more instantaneous event as it comes in contact with the water. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's a uh, um, again here. What will happen is you once you get into the water, we'll get kind of situated and figure out, you know, what's your comfort level. That's one of the big things we got to look at as well. How comfortable are you in the water? What's your experience level? And then you will be able to have our crane operator lift up. Uh, and at that point, once we're ready, we'll go through some just brief commands, and then from there. That slow descent will happen. We do a brief stop right at the surface to kind of give you just that second moment to really figure out, am I prepared? Am I ready? And then once we are all it's just happy with the forward progression, then we start that, that activity, right? We'll go down uh, on the first, uh, uh, the first simulation. It'll just be a straight-down activity. And at that point, it just lets you see what is it like being strapped into this, this aviation Fuselage, chair. This underwater. Yeah. How, how is this even going to happen, right? Give you that first little sense of sensation there. Uh, and then once you, you, know, you evacuate the aircraft, and then we'll try it again, right? The next stage, we're going to do it where we do some capsize exercises and forward rolling capsizes. No windows in place, no doors in place. Uh, but now you're having just that extra piece of the puzzle. And, of course, getting into the grand finale of it, right, <laughs> is putting those windows, putting those obstacles in your way, keeping that seatbelt in place, and uh, just really giving you that good feel, again, in a good controlled environment, you know, indoor pool, heated pool. Uh, so there's not many, you know, strenuous parts onto it, right? We're just trying to take as much away from it as possible, but really giving you that, that, that feeling, just letting you see what it's going to, you know, what it, what it turns into. Yeah. So, again, I think what surprises people, or, or maybe you see the fear in their eyes, 
that first dunk uh, because there's nothing like being strapped into a cockpit, into a fuselage, uh, as your passenger going down strapped in underwater. Yeah, yeah. And and you have to figure out, again, how to get that belt off, which you're trained in, of course, through the process. But then you you do this exercise where you go straight down and have to go through, say, a, a, an uncom- a compromised window or an uncomplex situation where you just have to orient yourself and then pull yourself through the window or orient yourself and go through an open doorway. Right. And so that's two different dunks straight down. So you're going to alternate between going out a window frame and going out a door, again, with no obstruction to it. And I think that alone uh, is, a, is a, a, an intimidation factor or a wake-up factor for people uh, going down, realizing that you have to go down, allow the aircraft to settle before you start egressing. Absolutely. You know, there's a there's a... A big difference between being able to jump into the water and swimming under obstacles and just kind of having a free-for-all on whatever you would like to do, but then you get belted into a seat, which is ultimately your fuselage here in this case. Um, but having just those restrictions, right, having those limitations on capabilities, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, an, it's a feeling for sure that most people don't get to, to experience and uh, again, I highly recommend it because I'd hate for that experience to ever happen. But if it were to happen, worst case scenario is that now you experience for the first time in a real situation. Yeah. And then again, as you mentioned, uh, the second series of dunks uh, you'll go through and you'll have to break out a window or unlatch a door, but you go straight down. You're not doing the rollover. So again, it's a progressive thing to get you more comfortable and more acclimated to the task because the tasks get more complex right. with each series of dunks. Absolutely. So now you have to break out the window and get out. And again, that's an intimidation. Now I'm going up to a window and it's not an open hole. Or now I'm going up to a door and I've got to physically open it before I get out. That That's another level of intimidation. Oh, yeah. That's why I like to call it last exercise, our grand finale. Because <laughs> you're just putting everything together. And, you know, the unique thing about it is that as the, the exercises get a little bit more difficult, a little bit more difficult, you know, in the grand scheme of things, they don't change, right? Because when we teach the basic fundamentals of how to get out of the aircraft, whether it be, again, a, a seaplane or whether it's going to be a, a helicopter, the scenarios are the same. Mm-hmm. What am I supposed to do? A, B, C, D is always the same. One plus one is two. As long as you can do it in one scenario, you can continue on with the rest of them. So, again, in here, I truly believe that this type of training – can be reciprocated and the same scenarios can be projected when you, and you actually you have apply to it, it when Absolutely. you need to apply it. Yep. And, so, and then again, so actually there's a, a two more steps because the next step is you'll get a rollover, but the window's not in place right. or the door's not in place. And again, uh, the rollover adds a whole nother level to this because in the way the seaplane rolls over versus a helicopter, there is actually a difference uh, physiologically uh, what's going to happen to you. In a helicopter event, it's not as, I would say, uncomfortable. <laughs> and I think you you uh, described it accurately. What did you say about the seaplane, uh, the way we dunk? Uh, in, in oh, what? That, that full roll, I mean, this, this, uh, the, the pool we have here just becomes a full full-size neti pot right i mean this is a, a full sensational uh, nasal clean in here for you because uh there's no ifs ands or buts about it no ways to change it but 
you know, you can try nose clips, you can try these things, but they could be locked off. And in this scenario, you're getting trained. You're not going to need. You're not going to yeah. have it when you need it in real life. So you got to do it the way you're you're going to experience. Yeah. yeah, and it is. I mean, I <laughs> the other night after coming through, it was like eleven eleven thirty at night, and then I was like, man, I still have that pool in my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, the and I think that that's an experience. So now you're actually feeling discomfort at that point though i mean having that forward rollover and having your nasal cavity flooded uh pr- with pressurized water uh is not comfortable i mean and now you have to perform getting your seatbelt off orienting yourself and getting out of the fuselage uh and you're upside down by the way yeah. because now the ceiling's the floor and the floor is the ceiling uh you have to get out with this discomfort uh, the added discomfort of having your nasal cavity flooded and uh, then the grand finale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, then the grand finale. That's, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's all things, the, the little nitpicky parts of that course, we, we really hit them hard because forgetting one piece of it, letting your hand go off of it, losing that orientation inside the fuselage, it, it's all the pieces of the puzzle that one piece is gone. I mean, it, it, it could be catastrophic, right? So being able, yeah, absolutely. So being able to to go through and 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 building up will help you out with through the theory and, and put you in that place where again repetition, repetition, and you get to the grand finale and you got to put it all together. Yeah, there's, there's a capsize happening. You are strapped into a fuselage. Your nasal cavity is flooded <laughs> and you're uncomfortable. Yeah, now you got to now out. you got to open a door or break out a window and get out. And yeah. you're going to have to do both. So you're going to simulate yeah. it both ways. Absolutely. And you put it all together. And then when you get out, you're going to deploy the PFD. Yeah, and that's that all comes into place now. So all of the hard work you've done now lets you get out of the, the uh, fuselage here, get out of that aircraft, and you get to the surface at a safe distance from that aircraft, whatever it may be, and now you can deploy your, your aviation vest, right? Yeah, and I mean, every time I come here, I learn something different, and I think this is the first time we've used the face guard for the waves. Yeah, so that is something new, and within the last couple of years, we've actually introduced to the to this course uh, because ultimately, you know, let's face it. I mean, you've, you've now gone through this, this extravagant, catastrophic, just ridiculous thing, right? You've gone through this, this crash, this emergency landing. You've had to deal with the hurdles, again, of this nasal cleaning, right? You've had to uh, be, you know, strapped in the helicopter underwater or the seaplane underwater. You get to the surface. You have a flotation device, but what's the sea status? Yeah. Right? What is what's going to happen when that waves hit you in the face over and over and over again? You know, one of the things that we've started incorporating as an industry and a whole is talking about things such as secondary drowning because it is real, right? Yeah. I mean, that is a, a big factor for a lot of people in these scenarios. I just flew over Lake Michigan uh, in my seaplane, um, and it's a hundred mile crossing, uh, uh, and uh, you know, out in the middle there. I mean, six eight foot swells are not unusual. And so that's something I, again, you learn something every time you come here. And as someone who teaches this stuff, uh, I had, this is a new component for me. And it made me think, God, we need to be selling these and showing people these because flying to the Bahamas, doing any overwater flights. And again, even just like my, my recent trip across Lake Michigan, um, that wave guard, uh, 
could really come into play. Absolutely. When you look at the splash shield, it's it's really neat how it's integrated into your vest as well. Because on one side you have your your uh, heat system, and the other side you have your splash hood, and there'll be a little zipper pouch. You just unzip it. You can place a splash shield over your face. There's some little bungees on the bottom side of it that actually go around the. Yep, right around your inflation bladders. Yep. And you still have visibility, right? There's a clear shield that goes over your face, and there's a few holes on the bottom side of it where you still get some good breaths in and out of. Uh, but it is a really neat system to be integrated into, you know, the full picture. That flotation and the breathing system, and now you have this this device that covers your face and stops that splash from just getting right into your airway right there. Yeah, yeah that's a, another great component. And, again, that's the power of coming back year after year is just watching the evolution of the training and, and, and actually the equipment because even the heat bottles have, have now gone to uh, more of an octopus-type system uh, for the oil field work, which is a different innovation. Uh, they used to have a rebreather unit, and then it went to the heat bottle, and now it's to a heat bottle with, a, with an octopus. Uh, yeah. So it's Yeah, we, we look at it. I mean, things are always changing, right? We, we always find new equipment, better equipment, uh, critique old equipment to make it better, just fixing little pieces of it. And then now, you know, the systems that we have getting rid of and are not necessarily getting rid of these rebreather systems, but you're working in the colder climates, our guys in the oil and gas industry, they're going to find the rebreather systems. Uh, but even in those industries, in those areas, they're finding more of the LV2s, these heat systems that they're using. And I mean, they're just, they're really nice. I mean, the comfort level that you can build up with that system is just really nice. Yeah, awesome stuff. And then once you, you know, you could do this before or after the dunk tank, but you're also going to learn how to uh, uh, maintain your body heat, how not to, to stop the body heat loss that you're going to experience in the water because water is much more dense than air. It also is a is a better radiator of, of getting rid of heat off your body, which can is going to result in hypothermia. So you guys will also teach how to position your body in ways that are going to minimize the heat loss so you are less likely to get hypothermia. You get hypothermia, you get muscle cramping. It just adds to the fatigue and, and reduces the chances of your survival of the event. Yeah, exactly. So like we said, I mean, again, you go from the grand finale of surviving a catastrophic event, right? Now you're in the water, you've evacuated your aircraft. You know, it's not over yet. Right. I mean, now you have to look at some other techniques uh, or you're by yourself or you're uh, with a group of people. You know, what can you do now at this point where there's certain techniques we'll get into as far as uh, the help position, which is in its name, the heat escape lessening Mm -hmm. posture. Um, You know, what can I do to prevent, you know, being more attractive to marine life? Things like that. Uh, you know, the water in itself is going to take away the heat from your body. And I'll just clarify, when we say marine life, we're, you, we're talking about things with big, sharp teeth like sharks. That's a nice way. Is that the politically correct, uh, the, the, you know, the current environment we're in uh, to protect yourself from marine life? Yeah, of yeah, course. Well, we're talking <laughs> sharks. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the, the thing about it, that's always the biggest, the biggest thing that people talk about when we think marine life. What do I think when I'm lost in at sea? Uh, and I think go back to, to Jaws, but you know, the, the thing about that is I always make this little talk back on it is that Jaws was a, a movie shot in Rhode Island with all yeah. the people you've seen were just, uh, were actually native city area. So they were the movie cast, but you know, we're always worried about sharks, but there are other things out there too. I mean, yeah. there's jellyfish, there's yeah. manta rays, man of war, man of war. 
uh, and you know, the little, even small fish, they they become attracted to that body in the water. So how do you make yourself less attractive? And of course, some more clothing that you're wearing is a big thing. Having that flotation device makes life a lot easier for you. Um, but what can you do by yourself? You know, yeah. it's all stuff that we have to talk about. So definitely, definitely good points to make. How are you going to potentially huddle together and yeah. position yourself in the in the cinnamon roll yeah. uh, position? Yeah. Uh, things to conserve heat, but also ways to increase your survival and again uh, reduce the loose limbs floating around in the water that are attractive to the marine life. Right. Uh, and how do you swim? Uh, you know, there may be fire, there may be fuel in the water. Uh, you're going to need to get away from it. And again, how do you keep from losing your fellow uh, crewmen or passengers? Are you going to link together and we call, uh, you know, I just say the centipede method, yeah, uh, yeah. how you're going to swim and connect together to get to safety. Yeah. You know, there's so many things that you can do. I mean, worst case, worst thing for you to do is to just break apart from a group. And, and if you see a, a life raft off in a distance, everybody just kind of makes a free for all and swims to it. And, you know, really it just becomes a lone survivor type activity, but you know, stay as a group. It's going to make life a lot easier for you to, to not only get to that equipment, but you have better chances of rescuing everybody as a whole. Uh, and then when you look at, you know, water in itself, like we were saying, water is going to remove the, the heat from your body 25 times faster than the air around you just sitting, you know, in a normal scenario here. And, and as we are in, in the facility here watching the Hewitt going on. Uh, but, you know, how can I get into a group huddle? How do I get out of a group huddle into the survival tool where we can get to that equipment? How do I grab the next person and rescue him? Uh, so it all, all these little techniques are just going to make life so much easier. Uh, and, and, and again, having a better chance of, of rescuing everybody and not having uh, any, any casualties or if they're already as minimum as possible. Yeah. Caleb, what have we failed to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Where are we at? I don't know, man. I think we've covered it pretty good here. Uh, I am. I, I love the facility. I love the staff. Uh, I again, I'm a big fan, uh, and I'm happy to have you on the the podcast to share this with a big audience. And I would encourage again our audience to. Uh, uh, get in touch with either myself, uh, with the Seaplane Organization, the Safety Seaplane Safety Institute at Southern Seaplanes, or you down here at uh, FMTC. And uh, what what's your uh, email where people could send you a question if yeah, they have if, one? If they there are any questions out there, just I mean, more information on the course or, or how to get enrolled into it. My email is probably the best way for you to get it. Okay, uh, my email is K A Y L A B dot v-e-r-d-i-n at f-m-t-c safety.com okay and again you can always uh, reach out to us at csr at seaplanes.org and uh, we'll be happy to spend more time get you hooked up with caleb and his team here and uh, we organize trips down here uh, through the seaplane pilots association and the seaplane safety institute so we highly uh, if you've enjoyed this if this sounds like something you want to add to your repertoire and your training to make you a safer pilot and to help you ensure the safety of your passengers you know it's not just for you as the pilot you know you can bring your your spouses uh you can bring your children your you know people that may be your regular passengers this training is good for everyone so it's not just you as the pilot uh, if you have a regular series of passengers, whether it's your children, your spouse, whoever it is, uh, this training is very applicable to them and, and really, quite honestly, very important for them. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, th- we've seen this. We've gone through where we've had, you know, couples come through and, and it's his husband and a wife or the wife is a pilot and the husband is along with it. You got to think just, you know, again, preparing for that situation at hand. OK, anything can happen just because you have the training doesn't mean that you can relay only a story across to the significant other and, and have them capable and ready. So we yeah. accept we accept uh, in that way as well. Yeah. So, well, I would really like to extend my huge thanks to everyone here at Fire and Medical, uh, the training center, uh, for what they do, uh, for the training that they provide, uh, for the service that it is not only for uh, your core audience, which is the energy sector, but how you've allowed us to come in and utilize the incredible resources that generally would not be available to seaplane pilots to get a level of training uh, that we wouldn't have otherwise. Uh, There's other underwater dunk tank training uh, that can be done, but rarely uh, can you do it at this level with this quality of equipment. And the staff here, uh, we were talking about it, one of my uh, big observations with a lot of the staff are former military people that did this in the military and uh, hats off to you, man. And, and thank you for taking time um, out of your busy schedule to join us on this. Absolutely. I thank you for having us. And, you know, it goes, again, as we said earlier, uh, you know, our goal is to help the industry, regardless of whether it is in the seaplane fashion or in the oil and gas or in the renewable sectors. You know, our main goal is to make sure that you get adequate training and and you're just happy with it and you get that warm fuzzy feeling inside that you know that if you ever get put in a situation you know how to respond yeah yeah well we hope you've enjoyed uh, another uh very enjoyable but also uh i feel very informative uh, episode of water flying please share it with your friends uh again we're, we're working our tail off to make great content for you and we want to share it with other pilots and other people that may be interested in seaplanes so please uh, don't forget to do that don't be afraid to reach out to us and uh, we hope you've enjoyed this informative uh, uh, episode here with Caleb at Fire Medical Training Center. And uh, until next time, fly safe, uh, which is the theme of this episode, <laughs> and fly often. Take care, my friends. We'll see you soon in the air. We are so glad you joined us today. If you like today's show, I highly encourage you to join the Seaplane Pilots Association and become a member of the largest seaplane community in the world. Members receive Water Flying, the only full-color glossy magazine dedicated to the seaplane community. And it's available in both printed and digital form. Your membership also includes access to the Water Landing Directory app, which has the Seaplane Flight School directory and a calendar of seaplane events not only here in the United States, but around the world. The association hosts regular educational workshops, safety seminars, and gatherings for seaplane pilots and anyone with a passion for seaplanes. So look us up online at seaplanes.org, join our community, and support our mission of protecting and promoting water flying.